Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And a good morning, football fans. How are you this morning? We're good. I know John McMullen's good because he was on the stream early today. Five minutes before the show, I, I figured say John good, got to bed sir. by like 10.30 last night, no. ripper and ready to go. I think oh. 1.30, maybe that's an early night. But that's, you know, that, I beat you to bed. That's uh, all it By counts. a little bit, yes, you did. So uh, we're burning the candle at both ends. We'll burn it for you on Birds 365 here for the next couple hours. we got no one but two good guys. Two, four, well... One current, one former NFL player. So it's NFL Player Day here on Birds 365. And, uh, oh, by the way, you might not have known this, but John McMullen, outstanding special teams member of the San Diego Chargers back in the day. Back when, way back when, when they were with uh, in San Diego, not the L.A. Chargers that won last night on Monday Night Football. When they had a home field advantage in San Diego. Oh, did they? Uh, A little bit on occasion yeah no in san diego they did since they've gone to la not even close and they didn't last night it was their stadium they know it better than the opposition but there were more raider fans in the building than there were charger fans but we'll put raider charges on hold (laughs) and talk about eagles here's where i want to go with you first today john we got a lot to talk about nick Sirianni spoke yesterday i want to get your take on the things he said a couple of the things he said had me scratching my head a little bit but here's where i want to go first Prior to the season, both John McMullen and Jody McDonald, the two Macs on Birds 365, suggested that the Eagles would go eight and nine this year. We both ended up on the same number. I don't know if we ended up game by game by game by game with the same picks because we didn't do that here on the air. But your overall number was eight, nine. My overall number was eight, nine. The Eagles right now are one and three. I don't know about you, but the three games that they, uh, the four games they played so far, one win, three losses, have gone exactly the way I thought they would when we got out our pencils, our pens, our highlighters, or whatever writing instrument used, crayon in my case, um, and put W's and L's next to each and every single game and then added them up, came up with eight and nine. They went the three ways that I thought they were, the four ways I thought they were going to go. So I'm not moving off my eight and nine. You can, even if you got all four games right. If there was something that you expected to happen, specific side of the ball, specific position that you thought was going to be real good, and it's actually kind of shaky, I guess you can move off your preseason prediction. I'm not. I'm still at eight and nine. John McMullen, are you still at eight and nine? That's interesting. Um, I'm not surprised they are where they are at one and three. I I said at the beginning they'd find a way to win those first two, one of those first two games. You, either uh, they'd win at Atlanta or they would lose and come back and beat San Francisco and then lose to Dallas and lose to Kansas City, obviously. Uh, so I had them at one and three, just didn't have it in the correct order. So I'm not wavering because of the start, because we all know their schedule is tougher up front than the back end. 
um, look like that on paper. It's shaping up as that on paper. Um, so that's not the issue. My issue is the reason I picked them to be eight and nine is because of the strength on the offensive line and strength on the defensive line. That's where I'm starting to waver. We've already lost Isaac Samaler for the year. Brandon Brooks is going to be out for probably half the year. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Lane Johnson now. Um, Jordan Mailata is going to be back relatively soon, so that's not uh, as major as an issue. And then on the defensive line, you lose Brandon Graham, who's their second-best player. Uh, we thought he was the second-best player to Fletcher Cox. Evidently, he's the second-best player to Javon Hargrave. But either way, they lost a really good player. Um, that's why I'm wavering a little bit. Um, and maybe eight was uh, a little bit uh, optimistic. But, hey, Jody, I mean, I always say it. I say it all the time on the show. You can't legislate injuries. I can't pretend, oh, I knew Isaac Sam. I, was, I knew the offensive. I mean, that's nonsense. Right. And every Everybody's going to say it. Well, the offensive line got hurt last year. Well, then, yeah, that's why you kind of go. It's probably going to go back to the mean, if anything. You're not going to have a two years like that in a row. Um you know, sometimes luck is a thing. And sometimes you get good luck and sometimes you get bad luck. I hear what you're saying. Uh, when I made my predictions, I factored in some injuries. Like we always talk about on the show, it's 100% the people are going to get hurt in the National Football League. Not every single player is going to get hurt, but at some point during your career, you're going to get hurt and you just don't know when the uh, injury is going to jump up and bite you. So I certainly factored that in that there would be some injuries that the Eagles would have to deal with. You compared them to the other teams around the National Football League at this point. I would say they're on the 50% side of more injured than less injured. They would be in the top half of the league of key injuries. They're not the worst team. Some Eagle fans are making, oh my God, we lost. Isaac Samalo, and how can we recover? Well, there's other teams that are dealing with the same stuff, with the same level of key players that are out too. So I would say they're a little bit worse than the mean in the National Football League as far as injuries go. So that would, if you agree with my stance on that, maybe give you enough movement to uh, reason to move off whatever your number was. I'm sticking with my eight and nine. And I'll just quickly run down. If you've got a Eagle schedule, punch it up on your computer and see if you can remember. If you've got it written <laughs> down on a sheet of paper, grab it, Johnny Mac. But if not, I trust your memory that you'll be able to do so. Here's the way I think that, the rest that's of the That's a Eagles... bad thing to trust, Jody. But I'll, uh, Come I'll on, pop... I got faith in you, big guy. I'll, uh, I'll pop it up. Here's the way I had the season going before. And, oh, yeah, I had them winning many more games in the second half of the season than the first half of the season. When I laid it out, you're going to go, damn, that's a good way to finish the season. It's also the easier half of the schedule. Um, I had them losing this week to the Panthers. Uh, so I – and losing the following week to the Bucks. So I had and the you Eagles – You them early in the season. I had them one and five. I really did. I, and that's exactly – I had them beating the Falcons, losing to the 49ers, losing to the Cowboys, losing to the Chiefs losing to the uh, uh, Panthers this week and losing to the Bucks next week, which is really going to turn the heat up on Sirianni when he's one and five. And we'll see what their answer is. I had them beating the Raiders. I didn't think the Raiders were going to be all that good a team. 
They weren't all that good last night. Fell behind 21 nothing before you could blink. They're just a terrible first-half team. They always make runs in the second half, and they made one again last night, but they came up short. I had them winning against the Raiders. I had them winning against the Lions. I thought the Lions were going to be really bad, and they looked like it to me. I had them losing to the Chargers, but I had them beating the Broncos in Denver. I didn't think Denver was going to be real good. Um, I had them beating the Saints at home. All right, maybe that one was a reach, but I'm sticking to it. Uh, I had them splitting all the division games. So I had them losing at home, losing on the road to the Giants, the Washington football team, and the Cowboys. They already lost. But I had them winning all their home games, and I had them beating the Jets as well. So the second half, uh, loss at the Giants, win home Jets, win home Washington, win home Giants, loss at Washington, win home Cowboys. So I got them winning one, two, five of their last six. To get to eight, I had a real bad first half of the season, a real strong half of the second season. I don't think it'll be enough to get them into the playoffs. I don't think it gets them into over 500, as a matter of fact, but a really good second half of the year. Are you sticking with your eight and nine, McMullen? Uh, here's my concern. Um, a lot of the teams uh, on the schedule remaining are better than I thought they were going to be. Carolina, it starts this week with Carolina. I didn't think Carolina would be very good. Turns out, or at least early in the season, they've been solid. Um, I didn't think the Raiders would be as good as they are. Uh, I didn't think the Chargers would be as good as I think they are, although I thought they would be a, a, a fine team. Uh, Denver's much better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, New Orleans. I thought they were going to fall off a cliff without Drew Brees. They're better than I thought they were going to be. So I think it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. So from that perspective, I got to come down from eats a little bit. Uh, and I'm probably more in the the six range right now. Oof, that's not good. Uh, I'm sticking with my eight. I hope that's the case. And Here's the reason why, after going through it all and pointing out all the W's and L's, that I could completely change my mind within five days. This is basically the game of the season coming up against the Panthers this weekend. And here's my line of logic. When Jeff Laurie told us the day that he decided to move off Doug Peterson as the head coach of this team, it was going to be a transition year. And there's a percentage of Eagle fans who did not want to hear that. That, well, come on, what do you mean? We were just in the Super Bowl in 2017. How can you be in a transition year? Well, Lori said it, and I think he meant it when he said it. And when you're going with a new head coach and a new young quarterback in only his second year in the league and first year as a starter, you can absolutely label it as a transition year. Some Eagle fans didn't want to hear it. And then, when they beat the Falcons the way they beat the Falcons week one, Jimmy, Ma Johnny Mack, we're going to win above 500. We got yeah. a chance to win 10 games. Playoffs. We got Playoffs. Jim Morris Playoffs. out there. Yeah. Yeah, and they've now lost three in a row. But see, here's the key. This is the week. Because as of right now, as we sit here today, they're two, two and a half games back in the division. Dallas is three and one. They're one and three but they've already lost to Dallas, but that's a half a game in the head-to-head -head tiebreaker. The good news is you play Dallas again, so you could make up a game and a half. If you win, 
You get a win, plus you get a half a game and the dead tiebreaker. So they can make that back up. So the division isn't out of sight yet. It's getting onto the horizon, but it's not out of sight yet with as many games as the Eagles have left to play. Wild card in the NFC. There are a lot of good teams in the NFC West. My preseason prediction was all four teams in the NFC West were going to make the playoffs. Somebody was going to win that division, and all three wild cards were going to come out of that division. And darn if it doesn't look like that could happen uh, with the way this season has started. All of them at least 500, uh, and the Cardinals the only undefeated team in the league at 4-0, and the Rams at 3-1, and and they had to lose because they played the Cardinals. Somebody had to win or lose that game. The Eagles already trailed the 49ers, not only in the standings, but lost a head-up matchup between the 49ers. So if it comes down to those two teams tied for the final wild-card spot, San Francisco goes. The Panthers have gotten out to a 3-1 and start. A little surprising for both you and I. They're better than I thought they were going to be. If they lose this week, and that's another team that if they finish in a tie with them, they would lose the tiebreaker. That's starting to add up to a lot of teams. They're not going to be able to get by for one of those three wild card spots. So this is it, John. What this weekend is, is the difference between transition and competition. If they win this week, they're still in the competition. You can still optimistically hold out hope for a playoff spot beat either to win the NFC least and or find a way to steal a wild card if they lose. Oh, then Jeff Laurie was giving us the real deal way back when. Well, thanks, Jeff. Well, I hear what you're saying, obviously. And if you want to lose a game, you never want to lose a game. But if you want to lose a game in the NFL, you want to lose it to an out-of-conference foe like the Eagles did to Kansas City. It really doesn't affect you as far as tiebreakers go uh, moving forward to the playoffs. But I can't even think about the playoffs with this team. So, oh, you always uh, yeah, obviously. The playoffs. That's, that's what football is all about. Yeah, it's all but, about making the playoffs. Week number one, you're laying out I, scenarios I, by which I your took, team makes the playoffs. I took Jeffrey Lurie very seriously when he said this was a transition year. And I think the Eagles realize that. And they have a rookie head coach and they have a young quarterback. And we said, what is the goal of this season? Is it winning? Is it or is it figuring out what you have at the quarterback position? I think it's more of figuring out what you have at the quarterback position. Um, but I get when people, you know, yeah, people want to think about the playoffs and think about the optimistic side of it and say, well, maybe we can, especially after week one, maybe we can catch a lightning rod and get in there and be better than people expected. Just like a bunch of those teams I mentioned, Carolina and Denver. And all of a sudden, that, those fan bases are thinking playoffs. Uh, so why can't it happen to the Eagles? I, I get that. I, I got to see him beat a couple good teams. You know, Carolina is a perfect example. If you can go in there, not a great team, better than people expected. You're playing on the road. That's a tough environment. Um, if you can go in there and play well, I think that gives you a, a lot of confidence moving forward. So from that standpoint, I think it's a big game. And anytime, as I said, if you're if you lose a game in conference, you're gonna you're gonna kick yourself probably down the road, down the line somewhere. Uh, that's just the way the NFL is because it's so competitive, and <clears throat> that's how they they obviously it's unbalanced schedule. Got to come up with some kind of tiebreaker, and that's the big tiebreaker. So you never want to lose to teams in your own conference, but that's sort of a 
an evergreen thing. I mean, that's you don't you, you don't want you don't want to lose in the division first and foremost, and you don't want to lose in the conference. And then if you lose to an AFC team, if you're the Eagles, you go, oh, that sucks. But you turn the page and move on. It's not going to affect you. Um, other than if you're a really good team and you're talking about, you know, number one seeding or, or that kind of stuff. But obviously that's not going to be the Eagles. So from the broader perspective, I'm with you. This is a this is sort of a temperature game. You know, the Eagles, I think, you know, played pretty they obviously played well against Atlanta. I think they outplayed San Francisco. I think they played well offensively uh, for the most part against Kansas City. The one stinker has been Dallas. Let's see if they build on that or if they're going uh, backwards because all of a sudden the chirping starts. We, we've heard a little chirping, Jody, little bit of chirping. Darius Slay on uh, social media saying, don't point the finger at me, essentially. Um, but let me, let me uh, jump in there. Isn't that Darius Slay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's his personality. That's, it's also that's right, why, by the way. It's also uh, right. But true. But that's why I'm not going to get worked up about that because that's that's the player's persona. If it had been a guy who's not a usual chirper and he started to chirp, then I go, "Ooh, that's not good." Is Nick Sirianni already losing the grasp of the team? Are they shaking the confidence of the players? Darius Slay's a chirper to begin with, so the yeah. fact that he's chirping on a one in three team shouldn't really surprise anybody. No, that's true. Um, I get the feeling, not from a chirping perspective, I get the feeling that Pletcher Cox is not happy with his role. Um, you know, just little things, little things. And that's what happens when you lose in this league. I mean, that's what happens. It happens everywhere. It's not unique. If you lose, people start asking questions. They go, well, what the heck are we trying to do here? It's just the way of the world in this league, unfortunately. But that's something, you know, that's one of those difficult parts of the job that you sort of learn to handle with experience. And we don't have, we were talking to Jason Cole yesterday. He was talking about experience with head coaches being very, very valuable. Right. Well, when you don't have experience, you don't know how to deal with those things. You figure it out um, as you go along. And that's where we are with the Eagles. All right. Quickie before we get to our first break and then we punch up our first guest. South Jersey kid, Temple kid, Philly now kid. Carolina Panther. Archbishop Wood. He um, went to Archbishop Wood, right? So he's a uh, true homeboy. Uh, Colin Thompson's going to join us uh, coming up in about uh, five or six minutes from now. You mentioned Fletcher Cox, maybe not happy, his role with the team, blah, 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 blah. We both know that the reason his numbers, his production are down are multifaceted, that it's not just, oh, my God, he's gotten so old so fast, he stinks, he can't play, we can analyze his game, he's falling off the table, the Eagles are screwed. Or, you know, the system they're running do not accent, does not accentuate what he does well. And his other teammates, a.k.a. the defensive ends, aren't picking up with the fact that he's getting double teams as often as he does, and shame on the Eagles' overall defense. It's a combination of the two. Either Fletcher's skills are diminishing or the system is a really bad fit for Fletcher Cox. Certainly it's a combination of both. Which one more so? 
I think it's more so the system um, only because I think Fletcher isn't what he once was, but I only say that because he's still getting double teamed. And these are, you know, I'll pull them up at uh, during the break and we might get to it after Colin, but uh, these are independent statistics indicate that he's still getting double teamed a lot. So that means the opposed, uh, the opposition still respects him. Um, so that's a positive from that standpoint. Um, and, and then just, you know, you should never play Fletcher Cox at nose tackle. It's a waste of a rep. It's a waste of a stinking rep. I, you know, I love Jonathan Gannon. It is a waste of a rep to have that player playing nose tackle on the three, four mimicked look. It's dumb. I'm sorry. And that's on the uh, D.C. defensive coordinator. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Scheduled to join us next, an opponent coming up on Sunday. Member of the Carolina Panthers, uh, Philly slash out Jersey homeboy, Colin Thompson, scheduled to hop aboard with us. Panthers tight end next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. 
Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on March 365 with a big game coming up against the Carolina Panthers on Sunday for the Eagles. Joining us next, well, we consider him a homeboy, Philly boy, South Jersey boy, Temple boy. He's the opposition this Sunday as a member of the Panthers. Colin Thompson, tight end for Carolina, joins us here on Birds 365. Colin, when we last talked to you during the summer and you were good enough to come on the show, I think you were a mere matter of days away from being yeah, Oh, he's go. got the ring there on. There we go. He's yeah. done. That's all. Your life is over, pal. <laughs> Officially a married man. Officially a married man. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been great so far. Uh, giving you guys, you know, the, the update on the marital status. Everything's been wonderful so Don't far. Don't say so. so far, Colin. That that's a rookie mistake <laughs> right there. <laughs> Everything's been wonderful. Yeah, Sydney and I've been been dating, and she's been hanging around with me and and uh, putting up with me and doing the long distance thing all throughout my career, which has always been a challenge. And, you know, the personal side of football, the instability of the game. So from Florida to Temple to, oh, man, all over the place, to uh, the Giants, to the Bears, to doing, uh, you know, radio stuff with Jacob Media, to doing color commentary to Temple football games, to doing Eagles postgame and pregame live, to the XFL, to the AAF, and then to the Carolina Panthers. So. Sydney's the best. She's, she she really is. Nice. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a long and interesting ride for you. It's great that you have a home in Carolina with Matt Rule, your ex coach at Temple. Now I want all the state secrets, by the way, Colin. But I know you're not going to give me those. So I I want to focus on Matt Rule being in his second season as a head coach because we're going what we're going through in Philadelphia is a rookie head coach who's you know, learning on the job. I think everybody learns on the job. Matt had a little bit of an advantage because he was a head coach at uh, Baylor and Temple. Um, how, how have you noticed a change from him year one to year two? Uh, have you noticed a, a more comfortable, uh, a more comfortable presence, uh, or is it just typical Matt Rule to you? It's typical Matt Rule to, to me. He's been the same guy since Temple. He really has. He believes in his process. He believes in, you know, all the cliche things that you're going to hear from coaches. He really firmly believes that everything matters. That is his best, I think, as a player that's played under him now for, for years, his best attribute is there's no stone unturned. Everything matters. When it was at Temple, he was involved in your grades. He cared about how you did in school. When it came to hydration, we had to carry a gallon jug of water around the campus and if you didn't, you were punished with maybe a you know a 6 a.m. workout or you got a warning or whatever it was. I mean, that mattered to him. Everything matters. The way you weigh in, are you consistently with your weight? The way you go have fun with your family on off days or the way you, you know, come into the facility early or leave late or whatever that is, there's no stone unturned. There's nothing he doesn't notice. He truly has been the same guy through all of it. And it's brought a lot of success for him. And he believes in a lot of his people, the same group of coaching staff staff that I was with at Temple and I got to meet those guys at Baylor the guys that kind of came on you know with the Bears are here in Carolina with them um, so there's a lot of loyalty there's a lot of respect and it, he's been the easiest coach I've ever played for that's what I always tell people because 
you know what you need to do every day. There's no secrets. There's no uh, mystery. Uh, there's one formula, and, and that's, you know, what he puts out every day. And, and you could see teams turn the corner when they're with coach, especially in the second year. Colin, early here in the season, your role in the Panthers has kind of been defined. You're a blocking tight end. You come in, and your job is to road grade somebody and open up a hole for someone behind you. Did you know that was going to be Sam Darnold? How did he become the leading <laughs> touchdown getter in the National Football League for quarterbacks? So during OTAs, I remember him taking off on a run, and I looked at all our tight ends, and I'm like, he's going to have a big year running the football. This guy can really run. He's a really good athlete. Man, oh, man, right? He's leading the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Um, he's savvy runner. Um, obviously, he's not running like the old Carolina days with Cam Newton where they're running quarterback power, right? It's different ways, and it's different creative ways for him to score. And, you know, that's what I think makes our offense – go you know obviously sam and and he can do a lot of different things so yeah he's an absolute beast he's been someone i really enjoyed getting to know on a personal level um someone i've seen from afar right I, we kind of came through college together i knew he was the the man coming out of usd and followed him with the jets and he's here now so it's been great getting to know him personally like i said and then obviously playing wise he, he's at the top of his game he really is a great quarterback so uh, from when you first met sam colin um, obviously he's coming off a situation with the Jets, which was not the best. Uh, well, Jody knows. Jody's a Jets guy. A lot of people uh, blamed Adam Gase, and it can have a big effect on a young quarterback if they're in the wrong situation at the wrong time. Uh, you've had a lot of success early in the season as an offense. Sam's obviously the leader of that. How's his uh, sort of attitude changed from that day one when you first met him to getting the confidence of, of winning three, uh, three out of four to start the season? I think the unique part about Sam, and every player tries to be that, but it's really hard to do it, is he's the same guy every day. And I truly mean that. He really is. He's the same cool, common, collected, West Coast, Southern California quarterback that just has an air of confidence to him. But it's not overbearing, and it's pretty straightforward, and he's the same guy every play, whether he just got sacked or whether we just had a huge run or whether DJ Moore just caught a ball and broke five tackles and went and scored. So he is the same guy every day during OTAs, when we're out to dinner, whatever that may be. So I think you know that's key to any great player. That's key to anybody in business. That's key to anybody in radio. He is the same Sam every day, and I've really enjoyed getting to know him. Colin, join the club, you and your Panthers. Got run over pretty good by the Dallas Cowboys this past week. The week before, the Philadelphia Eagles got run over by the Dallas Cowboys. Pretty damn bad. Um, Dallas is maybe better than some teams thought. You came in kind of like the Eagles did. The Eagles came in a top five defense in a lot of statistical categories, left that no longer being the case. Same as you guys. You had three weeks in as being one of the better defenses in the National Football League. Didn't look like it against the Cowboys this uh, past Sunday. What happened? We're still trying to figure out how the Cowboys went through the Eagles like a hot knife through butter. How'd they do it to you guys on the ground to the tune of 200-plus yards? Well, I think for us, I mean, what, worrying about what I control, it starts with us offensively. That third quarter there for us, we had – uh, two turnovers, we had a punt and a missed field goal. So when you want to play good football teams in the NFL, you can't have a four to five series span like that. It just can't happen. You can't, there's teams, right? 
the game has moved to a more of an offensive football game that everybody knows. It's favored in that direction. I'm on offense too. I understand that as well. You can't do that as an offense because, as you know, teams across the NFL are absolutely loaded with talent, especially the Dallas Cowboys. Now, to talk to their credit, that's an offensive line that's been together for a very, very long time and that know exactly what they're getting from their running backs. They know exactly what's expected. That's an experienced quarterback and run game and run checks and play action. They have a, you know, an unbelievable team. To me, there were no secret coming into the season of, you know, when you're looking at the rosters and you're going through things and you're looking ahead at different schedules. When you talk about talent, that's one of the most talented teams in the NFL. So, and again, when we talk, you're talking about the run game, offensive line wise. That's a group that's been together for a very long time. You guys know about continuity more than anybody. One of the Eagles' strength is those guys have been together for the most part for a long time. They plug and play a few guys here and there, but the real pillars of their own line have been been there for a while. So we have to be better, and it really starts with us offensively. It starts with what I have to do to be better, uh, and we we have we can't sputter out, you know, for a whole quarter of football, and we end up coming back into the game, and it was a one score game. We are a stop away of getting the football and, and, and having an opportunity to, you know, tie the tie the ball game. So uh, it's crazy. You know, that that's that's what we could be as a team, but we can't have a quarter where we just let things go. And Colin, you talk about talent in this league. You're right. Everybody's got a lot of talent in the NFL. One of the guys who from the outside looking in, I'm one of those one of those guys in the NFL. I'm in awe of that's Christian McCaffrey. Maybe he would have helped against Dallas if if he's out there. Um, still iffy for the Eagles dealing with a hamstring injury. What, what's it like working with a guy like Christian McCaffrey every day? You got the not for long media hat on. Uh, I, I saw you had him on your podcast. People should check that out as well. But Christian McCaffrey, just difference maker. Guys, <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable. Uh, he's nothing like I've ever played for. First off, he's the most intense individual I've ever been around when really? it comes to just focus. Now he's, you could sit here and have a great time with us and everything's great. But when you're talking ball, when you're talking ins and outs, when you're talking things that he truly believes in, he is, I mean, he is, he's the best player I've ever played with. And I know that's not something like, Oh, whatever, but I've played with a lot of great players over the years, but he's the best at every little thing. So like some guys are like unbelievable at like five or six things. He is an unbelievable walkthrough player. I always say that he's the best walkthrough guy I've ever been around. His steps, everything is perfect. Every inch, every step, uh, everything. He, he He's just so dialed in. His nutrition is extremely dialed in. He's, I think he said, you know, the, he spoke to us as a team and he was talking about his dedication. He's got, you know, some sort of body work being done to him, you know, just short of 365 days a year. I mean, this guy is constantly dialed in on his craft. He's the most committed person I've ever been to. Obviously, receiving, he's unreal. Running, he's unreal. You guys have seen the screen game over the years. He can be an MVP of the league. So, Heisman candidate. Um, he's been extremely durable, and it's extremely frustrating for him. I know, trying to fight through these this little injury thing here he's got going on, but I don't believe in injury bugs. I just believe it's a football, and it's 100% injury rate. You just get bit at different times of your career. I got bit early, and who knows? I could be bit tomorrow, God forbid. But that's just how the game goes. That's what we signed up for. So he's a warrior, John. And Jody, he's he, he's he's unreal. He's on another level than, than every player I've ever played with. Colin, you were there last year. So you saw the year that DJ Moore had over 1,000 yards receiving. Damn good. Four touchdowns. Could have been better. This year, 
He's already got 30 grabs in just four games and already has three touchdowns. Talk about upping your game. He is a guy who certainly would fall into that category. What's yeah, I feel like this year that's so much better that he's been that much more productive. He's the same guy, I'll be honest with you. That's just how it goes. You know, it just you guys, you guys know this. You've been following the game for a long time. There's there's great receivers that have great first half, second halves, the entire year is great. There's you never know. It could have been injury or two last year or whatever. I don't really know. I don't really remember last year, but I and again, I don't even keep track of numbers or stats. I was thinking about maybe I should go through some things for I'm on your show today. I'm like, oh wait, I'm not the uh Eagles media guy anymore. I don't need to, I don't need to check and see, you know, how many sacks Fletcher's had this year or whatever it may be. Um, so he he's a Philly guy, Emotep Charter, went to Maryland. So he's a local guy there. I know the Philly people love that. Um, an absolute beast, another freak of nature athlete, another freak of nature athlete. This guy is unreal. His balance is unbelievable. He's physical. He's got all the tools that a number one receiver has. He is a number one receiver, no doubt about it. Um, so yeah, he's an absolute beast. I can't tell you one thing he's done differently, but I know this, he's does it every day in practice. That's the one thing about, you know, DJ and all our wideouts and all our players that we practice hard. That's a coach rule, you know, staple. And that's what's expected. So we practice hard and he brings it every day. Um, he, he's someone that, you know, the Eagles fans, you know, looking for someone to watch may not know a lot about the Carolina Panthers team. There's a Philly kid that's that's an up-and-coming number one star in this league. Now, you mentioned the Eagles, Colin. Obviously, you guys will get heavily into preparation for the Eagles, but you know a little bit more about the Eagles than probably typical teams that you got to get ready for because of your work in this market. They lost Brandon Graham, and you're, you know, as you're that, that blocking tight end, you think about sort of an extension of the Carolina Panthers offensive line. I've talked to a lot of offensive coordinators, offensive-minded coaches over the years. First thing they always say about the Eagles' defense under Jim Schwartz was, "All right, we got to block Fletcher, we got to block Brandon." How much of him being out? How much is that going to help the Carolina Panthers? Well, they have, they have some guys now. You know, that's there's no doubt about it. That one of the strengths of their football team is that front four. Really, truly, I I watched the film. I've been watching film. I've already threw a couple games. They roll, they roll guys through. They really do, and they have strengths. They're, they're one of the strengths of the football team. So Brandon Graham is one of the best in the business, especially at stopping the run. I mean, his his ability, his stoutness as a player is, is – he disposes tight ends. He really does. So I'm a big, big fan of Brandon Graham. Obviously, doing radio with you in this market, I've sung his praises for a long time in that front four. They have a great group. So they'll be a challenge for us. They'll be a challenge for every group the entire year. Uh, as well as their whole defense. They have players at every level of the defense, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the challenge, really am. All right, Colin, the last one for me. No, you got a meeting to get to. Um, you sound like a guy who really is good at compartmentalizing and keeping the focus as narrow as possible so you can be uh, juiced in on what you need to accomplish. But you're also a radio guy, so you know you got to look at the big picture <laughs> and you got to know some other things. <laughs> You don't play Tampa until December. Right now, it's you and the Bucks. Kind of open up a little distance at three and one in a piece. That Brady guy, champions, whatever. You want your shot at them. You don't get it for like two months. You got to wait till all the way to December. Have you at least peaked the schedule? Do you know when the Bucks come up for the Panthers this year? Yeah, yeah. We all look at the schedule. Don't let anybody tell you. We didn't look at the schedule. <laughs> I don't do the whole win-loss, win-loss thing. No. I, I don't know. I don't know. 
the game changes, right? All of a sudden, Brandon Graham's not in the game, right? The, right. All of a sudden, Chris McCaffrey's not playing. So the game changes week to week. That's what makes the NFL just an unbelievable thing. Plus, our rosters are small, which John and I have talked about before. So, you know, you guys have to step up. Your practice squad guy for two, three weeks, you know, they're not even traveling with you. And all of a sudden, here they are starting, right? That's just how it is. So, no, I, I, I know we play them at the end of the year. You know, I know you have to play your best at the end of the year. Those last two months, November, December, that's when champions are made. January now, we're bleeding more and more into January. So, yeah, that's when champions are made. That's that's when you have to play your best football. That's one of Coach Rule's mantras down the stretch. How do you play? How do you perform? That's how you'll be graded in free agency. That's how you'll be graded by your coaches. Because now everyone's relatively fresh and you're grinding through it. But when it becomes colder, when you have to travel on the road late in the year, the holidays are around, there's more distractions. How do you perform? And, uh, you know, the best teams perform down the stretch. We've, we've seen those teams over the years do so, do so well is, is because they're getting quote unquote hot when really they're just playing their best football down the stretch when it matters. Week 16 yeah. and week 18, Bucks and Panthers. Colin, thank you very much for hopping on. I know you got a uh, meeting you got to get to. We appreciate you coming aboard with us for a 15 minute spot here. Thanks, bud. You know, we can't really wish you that much luck on uh, Sunday. But nah, sure, we can. I'm rooting get out for of Colin the game and my advice is healthy. it's not great now, it's great forever. Just tell that to Sydney right now, right as you get off. <laughs> Jody and John, thank you so much. Anything for Johnny Mac, man. When I was getting into radio and um, he was someone that I, I've, I've leaned on and, and learned a lot from in this business. Jody, I'm just getting to know you, but but John means the world to me and he, he doesn't even know it because I was just trying to find my way doing Eagles pre and post game and trying to get back into this NFL. And I'm sitting there talking to John saying, I can't even dive into really how I feel about this certain subject because I want to go back and play in this league. Here I am now, so I'm humbled. So, Jody, thank you. And, John, thanks for everything, man. I appreciate you. Hey, thanks, Colin. Good luck, man. All right, man. Talk to you guys soon. That is Colin Thompson of the Carolina Panthers. Great dude. Smart guy. Knows the game. He's the opposition this week, guys. Sorry, John. You can love the guy, and he loved you. That was a good little glove fest you got going. No, you're the opposition this week. We'll love you again next week, Colin. But not this week. Sorry about that. You're playing objectivity, man. I'm not an Eagles fan. I just root for the guys I like, and I like Collins. So there's a lot of people on the Eagles I'm rooting for because I like the people, the person. But that's sort of when you get in this position, you root for people. You don't root for teams. It's, you know, it's just the way it is. I agree with you about the objectivity. You can root every week. Now you got to be honest when you do the show. Yeah. But yeah. you can start, all right, hope the Eagles win this week. That's your way you start every week. And then you say, yeah, but I don't know that they can actually win this week. That's what we try and do for you here on Birds 365. All right, McMullen McDonald coming back. Don't even think about going anywhere. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac, your Birds 365 guys here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We've got uh, an hour and change left to play. Our guest for our number two, as I mentioned, NFL Player Day, we had one active. Our second guest hadn't been active in a while. He's active when he comes on with us, when he's <laughs> on the middle here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I don't think he'd even bat an eye to if he was asked to road grade uh, Aton Shander, but uh, they don't ask him to do that on the middle. We'll just ask him for Eagle Insights. Our buddy Barrett Brooks is going to join us here in our number two. All right, Johnny Mac. Uh, yesterday, you zoomed your life away. You didn't actually have to get up and go into the facilities. Everybody did the Zoom cast thing with Coach Nick Sirianni. Uh, what grabbed you the most out of what Nick had to say, either positively, negatively, scratching your head wise, anything that really uh, you didn't think was going to be coming out of yesterday's news gathering? Well, I thought we'd get some clarity on Lane Johnson, at least. So that's a concern. That was my number one concern. Uh, no clarity from that perspective. As far as the actual uh, football stuff, I think it turned into, you know, what's your confidence in the in the defensive side of the football right now after that poor per- performance against the Kansas City Chiefs, which – I don't know what people expected. I mean, that's almost you have to hope the other side uh, makes a bunch of mistakes and shoots themselves in the foot because they're just they're just too good uh, from a personnel standpoint. Um, you know, and I tried to ask Nick Sirianni about what what is he involved on game day if he sees things are going wrong on the defensive side of the football because I think we've gotten away from that. And, and head coaches in this league. I think we have a bunch of guys who are just sort of 
super-sized offensive coaches, and then they have a defensive coordinator. I think that's the Eagles' setup. Um, so I tried to flesh that out a little bit. But uh, that was the most interesting parts to me. Um, yeah, the Lane Johnson stuff, though, you know, the more closed, mind, closed mouth you are about this, the more conspiracy theories pop up. And I don't want to get into them because I don't think it's fair. But uh, I think the Eagles should be more above board. Uh, even if you say something, you, you can still be a little bit more above board and be open-ended about it. Say, it's a personal matter. We're not sure when he could come back. They wouldn't even go that far. Um you know, forget about talking about the personal matter, but say we expect him back in two weeks, two to three weeks, a week. He'll be back at practice. Something. I I was a little disappointed in that. And we'll see. Uh, that's the kind of thing that must be addressed on a day-in, day-out basis. Yeah, and until, until the Eagles you... give you something. Yes. When next uh, he meets the meeting, he's going to be asked the same question. And if he doesn't have an answer then, well, he's going to be asked yep. that. And it's just something he has to deal with every single day. When we find out, we find out. But as of right now, we don't know if he's going to play against the Carolina Panthers. But the offensive line did not play badly. And we'll do plenty of this when we get Barrett up. Um, you've got the uh, football, uh, the, the foot, uh, NFL pro football focus, focus. Football yeah. focus numbers. Uh, I'm guessing that the Eagle offensive line graded out pretty damn high across the board on Sunday's game, I thought Jalen Hurts had a good enough amount of time. There were some holes there. Um, it was four patchwork guys thrown together because of the injuries and the issues the Eagles have had. Uh, they did it all last year, and at times paid a price for it. Didn't pay nearly as big a price here. I thought they all played well. Um, if you can punch that up quickly and uh, uh, tell us how they ranked across the, the line of the offensive line, guys. And, oh, by the way, checking the uh, uh, snap count call, all of them played the entire game, which is saying something <laughs> the Eagles this year anyway, because they were dropping like flies along the offensive line. Uh, the guys that they did put in place took all the snaps, and I thought they're pretty damn good snaps. Yeah, they played well, I, I think, as a whole group. Jason Kelsey obviously played really well. He's already up to number one. Uh, in the entire league and it's been lights out as a pass rusher according to uh excuse me a run pass blocker, blocker. Uh, a run, run blocker, blocker. Uh, it's usually you think of jason kelsey as this great uh pass blocker. he had a really bad time in atlanta and i think um he was uh, i i forget but he was near the bottom he was 30 of 32 or something because he had a really tough time uh, with Grady Jarrett, just on an individual level, really strong guy. Yeah, that's a lot, been lot, typical. lot of guys have yeah. problems with Grady Jarrett. That's been typical of his career. All of a sudden, here we are three weeks later, he's number one, uh, and he's the best uh, run-blocking center in football. Um, yeah, everybody, uh, Landon Dickerson is is sort of been similar, great as a run-blocker. Uh, not so much as a pass blocker, but he's more comfortable on the left side. He spiked. Nate Herbig was certainly effective. George, uh, uh, Jack Driscoll was effective. Uh, and even Andre Dillard with the penalties, if you take out the penalties and 
as Nick Sirianni said, the downfield penalties weren't his fault. He's played well over two games. But Andre's gotten a little bit lucky in that there was no Demarcus Lawrence uh, against Dallas, and they flip him. And believe me, they would have flipped him um, to Andre's side if he were healthy. And there was no Frank Clark for Kansas City. So he's gotten a little bit lucky, but he's played well. You have to even give him credit. So, yeah, as a group, the offensive line was pretty effective um, for what they were asked to do uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. And you also have to give, you know, it was pretty clear that that was part of the game plan as well, get the football out quickly. Um, It's interesting. I think that was the game plan anyway. Um, but maybe that amped up even a little bit more when they realized Lane Johnson wouldn't be there. Well, one of the guys Eagles are going to have to face off against, and Colin Thompson, we're not talking about you, but a former owl that the head coach reached out for during the offseason and signed as a free agent has been Hassan Reddick, who is one of the top sack guys in the National Football League at four and a half over only four games. Um is he going to get his chance at Andre Dillard? You just mentioned the fact that Andre's got a little lucky, dodged a couple of bullets with injuries to the opposition. Hassan Reddick, as far as I know, is completely healthy and ready to go and has gotten off to a real good start. Is he going uh, mano a mano uh, versus? Yeah, they have a couple really good edge rushers in Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns. So it, it typically, it's going to amp up this week. Now, they're both sort of undersized guys. So... You know, you, you it's sort of a give and take in that uh, they're going to get out. They're going to get at you from a speed rush standpoint. Generally, that's Andre's strength. Um, he, he struggled with, with powerful guys, the guys who can bull rush, the guys who have that can really put them on skates and just put them back into the quarterback's lap. Um, maybe he's locking out again. I don't know if Carolina has that player. Uh, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I think Hassan Reddick is not, he's not uh, going to manhandle an offensive lineman, um, but he's also not just a pure speed guy who that's the only way he ever gets to the quarterback. I think he's got strength enough to make a offensive lineman uh, a tackle, be it on the left side or the right side play, honestly. Uh, he's off to a really good start. And you'll remember way back when you and I were doing the show, um, I think back in April, I think he was a later signee. I think the Cardinals might not have decided not to bring him back till later in the offseason. That was someone that I was hoping that the Eagles targeted, even though, quote unquote, they had good depth at uh, defensive end. Let me see what happens to depth, depth when Brandon Graham goes down for the entire season. Your depth gets thrown into the fire pretty damn quickly. And it hasn't really held up its end of the bargain just yet. Hassan Reddick would have looked really good in an Eagle uniform this year. Yeah, I, I, it, it's kind of dependent on, like, I look at Hassan and he came into the league really as a 3 4 outside linebacker. So he's sort of uh, uh, one of those hybrid players. He He's not, he he's probably, I don't even think he's 6 2. So, He's not like Josh Sweat. He's not like a, a typical straight out of central casting edge uh, defensive end edge rusher. So, you know, under the old Jim Schwartz system, I would say, no, that's not a fit at all. 
you know, challenged again, it's trying to use more of this multiple front with these three, four looks. I would see, say he's a better fit um, under Jonathan Gannon, but I don't, I haven't seen that sort of manifest itself in that, you know, they rarely blitz. Um, they rarely take advantage of those situations. They just play zone on the back end and try to let four pass rushers get home or three pass rushers. So I don't know if he's a fit. Um, but anybody who can rush the passer is helpful. And and as you said, he can he can do that. Um, I just think he's a bit undersized, and that's why I think he shapes up well. If you think about Andre Dillard's struggles when he was a rookie, and that's really, you know, because he didn't play last year. It was against grown men, you know, as they say in the NFL, veteran guys. It was the, that uh, Cowboys game with Robert Quinn, um, you know, it was that Minnesota game with Everson Griffin. These these veteran rushers who've got every single trick in their book and their toolbox, those speed guys he can handle. So those other guys, and he's going to, if, if he plays, and by the way, hopefully he's not even playing because, you know, we'll see Wednesday if Jordan Mailata's back. I mean, they didn't put him on injured reserve, so that indicates to me they didn't think he'd be out three games. Well, he's already out, been out two games, so right. we have to keep an eye on that. Um, he might not even be out there. But if he continues to have to play, eventually, I mean, he's going to run into one of these guys. He, he's he's kind of like – Demarcus Lawrence would have been that guy, but wasn't there. So I think things have worked out for him. Well, um, I know that Hassan uh, the, Reddick isn't a big guy. You're right. He's 6'2". Uh, uh, he might be under 6'2". And he's 235. He's not 260, 265. He's playing down defensive line for them, snapping and snap out. They're not a team that moves the front around and changes much. They're a pretty strict 4-3 defense. Well, what I've been able to see, so knowing that he was part of the he was part of the defensive line that for the first three weeks of the season was one of the best against the rush in the National Football League. He was also part of that defensive line that got gouged for 200 yards last week by the Dallas Cowboys. He is what he is, and and I think he's become a legit 4-3 defensive end in the National Football League. Yeah, and that's what you, you that's what Nick Sirianni said yesterday when talking about the defense. You give a little, you get a little. Well, the Eagles uh, gave a lot, didn't get much in return against Kansas City. But from Carolina's perspective, yeah, I mean, that's what you should do. If I see Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns out there, I'm going to try to run the football. But people don't like to run the football. So it's sort of a catch-22. You're almost playing into the NFL group think of, well, we got to throw it, we got to throw it, we got to throw it. Where if I see a 230-pound, you know, defensive end, for instance, and I have Jordan Mylotta back, I'm going to run this stinking football, but what what do I know? Speaking of running the football, um, I'm sure I answer this off the air. I don't think I ever have, so I'm going to ask you now on the air. Do you know Liam Jenkins at all? Philly writer. Uh, I don't know I, if he, he's a weekly guy in the press box with you guys, but he's been covering the Eagles for the Philly Sports Network.com. Do you know him at all? 
Uh, I do not. Gotcha. No, no problem. I didn't know if you did. I don't know that he is considered one of the Eagle beat guys. But as I said, he, he, he writes about the Eagles for the Philly Sports Network dot com. He had an interesting column today. I want to get your reaction to it. Um, he said that uh, Miles Sanders getting less touches, less snaps this week wasn't just a coincidence. It could be the beginning of the Eagles taking a stance and making a statement, Kenny Gainwell playing as well as he did, that maybe Kenneth Gainwell is the guy who is the number one back before the season is over and done with. At some point, they're going to have to make a call on Miles Sanders as to whether they want to go to the second contract with him. And, oh, by the way, there aren't too many backs that get that good-paying second contract. Uh, he has not gotten off to a brilliant start. I blame the coach more last week that he got so few touches more than I blame Miles, but that's just me. Uh, is there a potential changing of the ranking of the backs, the strength of the Eagle backs between the only two guys that they use? Oh, wait, I forgot. Boston Scott got two carries at the end of the uh, yeah. Cowboy game. I, I can't just completely freeze him out. You get my drift. There's been two guys so far. Is the order of the... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Those two guys in question for John McMullen. No, no, not. Uh, it was just the personality of the game and the fact that we had talked. It was really those Jets practices, those joint jet, Jets practices, where they were testing out Kenny Gainwell. Was he ready for this role as the pass catching third down? Hurry up back. Um, they deemed that he was. And you and I have discussed that. And you, you had thought that Miles deserved more of an opportunity at that role. They do think Kenny handles that stuff better, and that's going to be his role. That's going to be his role. Unfortunately, again, they're not playing from the lead generally, um, and that's when Miles will have more of an imprint on the game. So when they're in these shootouts and they need to score or obviously hurry up situations, as I said, Kenny Gainwell is going to be in the game because – they think he's a better re- – and they're right. He's a better receiver. He's a natural receiver. They think he proved his ability to handle the blitz pickup, which is another important part of it. So they have pretty clearly defined roles. Um, if the Eagles ever lead by two touchdowns uh, in the second half again, you're going to see Miles, more Miles Sanders running the football Um but no, no. From the perspective of who who the so-called running back one is on this team, that's why you can't overreact to certain games because certain situations happen in certain games. And if other situations happen, you know, Miles would be in his typical role. Um, he was also not effective in the carries he did get. But from the perspective of the coaching staff, no, he's still he's still the running he's still the top running back on this team. And yeah, I thought they um, well. This gets back to an overall 
criticism of the Eagles. I didn't necessarily agree with their usage of personnel in the preseason. I thought a couple of guys on this team could have gotten more work and too much mothballs and put them in bubble wrap and protective custody uh, was used by the organization, not just the coaching staff, because you and I both agree that there are certain terms that are dictated to Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff as to uh, how to use guys specifically in the preseason. So I had issues with that. And yeah, I thought the, they didn't give Miles enough of a chance to show that he could make plays in the passing game. They just basically handed the out-of-the-backfield pass-catching role to uh, Gainwell. Now, to Gainwell's credit, he's made the plays. I'm not knocking him at all. I just thought that I know Miles uh, – see, this goes back to you being there at practice every day and me not. You saw the drops in practice on a daily Yeah, he didn't, they didn't give him that job. He earned it. Kenny earned that job. That wasn't one where they said, okay, we're just going to give it to Kenny Gainwell. No, he, he earned that job. And in fact, they tested him, as I said, in those, those joint practices with the Jets. That to me was sort of like the final, the final exam if he was going to be given that role for the regular season. And he performed very well in those practices, which obviously, you know, they put a lot of weight on, probably more weight than I would have. But yeah, he, he proved himself. It wasn't like they came into training camp and said, we're going to give this job to Kenny Gainwell. Um, the hope was he was going to be a contributor in that type of role down the road. If anything, I think they were a little bit surprised that he won it that early. Um, but that was a true competition win. And that was a big, obviously, a big Nick Sirianni mantra. But they definitely didn't didn't just hand him that that job. He earned it. All right. I want to talk to you about the quarterback, and we'll certainly do that. We're going to talk about the uh, retooled offensive line when we get Barrett Brooks up here in about 15 minutes or so uh, to join us. But I do want to get to the quarterback again because, John, uh, one at least one uh, individual right here in town and a bunch of guys, I was on WIP last night, only a two-hour show because Monday Night Football <clears throat> ran late because of weather well, uh, issues in By a dome way. stadium. Man, a what is going stadium, on? A dome stadium, a 45-minute delay because of lightning. Okay, all right. What yeah, is I... going on? I, I realize there's not a lot of lightning in Los Angeles uh, to begin with, and that's Inglewood, but uh, Southern California, but what what are we doing? What are we doing in 2021, Jody? You, you just spend five billion dollars on the stadium, and by the way, I think it costs more than that with the overruns. And you're having 45 minute weather delays. What what? I I I I can't get over it. Yeah. So I ended up doing a shorter show last night than I thought I was going to, which was fine, and got some good Eagle callers on just the same after midnight. But I had a couple of calls that wanted to already anoint the Eagles starting quarterback for 2022 to Jalen Hurts, basically because he had a good game yesterday against the Kansas Chiefs. And I don't get it. Now, when he played poorly the last two weeks, 
when they got beat up pretty good and he couldn't get the ball in the end zone against the 49ers and didn't do much and got some, oh, by the way, numbers against the Cowboys, but was certainly outplayed, blatantly outplayed by Dak Prescott. People ready to just write him off. And uh, this guy's not good. Uh, uh, nice idea. Not good enough. He can't uh, doesn't have a good enough arm. Doesn't have a good enough uh, accuracy. He can't play in the league. Blah, blah, blah. Why do people feel the need Every to rush week. the judgment here? Every week. You, you have said it yourself, and I think you're dead on right. Deshaun Watson's not coming this year, okay? He's not coming here. He's probably not coming anywhere. He's probably sitting out the entire season and cashing checks till he gets his legal stuff worked out after the football season is over and done with. So what what is going to change? What is Gardner Minshew? Do you really uh, want to see Gardner Minshew? Is that it? You have 17 games to judge Jalen Hurts. If he stays healthy, he's going to get all 17 games. Why do people feel the need to after one game, two games, three games, four games, whatever it is, Make a definitive stand. He's good. Enough. He's our guy. We can use all those draft picks on other positions. Or he stinks. He can't play. Why are we doing it? Go get me another quarterback. Why do people do this? Oh, it's every week, Jody. And it it, it, it streams from he's great to he can't play in this league. Right. Like there's no in between. He can obviously play in this league, by the way. He is playing in this league, if you haven't noticed. And while the Eagles are one in three, his numbers are certainly been more than acceptable um, as an NFL starting quarterback. But um, so the larger question, which I've tried to frame over the past couple of days on the show is, you know, what do the Eagles want? To me, that's the larger question. Do they want this style of quarterback? I think you've already seen Nick Sirianni's game plans against Atlanta and 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 against Kansas City, you can scheme this kid up to do some nice things and 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 be a playmaker. And when you get the football out of his hand um, uh, quickly, the Eagles can can look very good on the on the offensive side of the football. Conversely, if you look about, they tried to take advantage of the the two uh, missing corners on San Francisco. They tried to for some bizarre reason, keep pace with the Dallas Cowboys, according to the head coach. Uh, and when he's thrown the football down the field, doesn't look as, as good. Um, like every player in this league, Jalen Hurts has strengths and he has weaknesses. I think you've already proven you can accentuate his strengths to play at a high level or play at a good enough level. So my, my question is, what did the Philadelphia Eagles as an organization, want at the quarterback position. I don't think they want an RPO-driven offense. That's just my opinion. I'm not reporting that. That's just my opinion from knowing Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Roseman over the years. I don't think they think that's sustainable long-term. I think that's the bigger question to answer. If they've changed their thinking then we can have all the other conversations. But I agree with you. The week-to-week, oh, they lost. He's terrible. They won. He's the greatest thing. Like everything in life, but somewhere in between. He's proven he can play in this league. Um, 
case you haven't noticed, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks out there. He can certainly play in this league. Uh, can he play at the level of being in the conversation of where the Eagles want to be? That That is a, a debate, and I'm, right. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure the Eagles want this type of offense long term. It's For my money, <laughs> it's TBD. It's to be determined. Yeah. Yeah, prime example on our stream, Joey B, who's a good streamer. He checks in with us all the time. Uh, Johnny Mack, other than injury, when would a Minshew at quarterback for the Eagles occur? After two more losses? You're going to give up on Jalen Hurts because he loses two more games. What the hell is Gardner Minshew? We don't even know what Gardner no. Minshew is. You know, I, I was down at the funny story, Jody. I was down at the link early on Sunday. As I typically No, am. no. Yeah. You got as there I, early? Who was I there first? You or Ross Tucker? Oh, Ross, uh, Ross has got to be there first. But um, so Gardner uh, was out. What happens is the, the inactive guys come out first and the practice squad guys come out first to uh, just warm up and you get their work done, whatever. So Gardner wasn't going to be active. Clear indication. Now, I just took a quick video of him because he was doing a lot of fun stuff. You know, you see some of those quarterback uh, drills that they do and try to get themselves loose. And I just made a quip that Gardner Minshew looks like he's preparing for something. <laughs> it was just a joke because he was doing some goofy things. But people took that seriously. Of course, I should have known better. That's my fault on Twitter. Like, I'm I'm assessing that Gardner Minshew is going to be closer to playing now. That's not the case. Um, he's not playing. Um, the only thing that would change that is an injury to Jalen Hurts. He's not even going to be the number two quarterback. Uh, that's going to be Joe Flacco. So if you have Jalen sprains his ankle in the game, Joe Flacco is going to come in the game. <laughs> one, because Gardner Minshew's not active, number one. Now, if Jalen Hurts gets hurt and he's out for multiple games, if he's out, God forbid, for the season, Isaac Sayamalu-type situation, then you have a conversation. Who would you rather go with long-term for a long period of time, Gardner Minshew or Joe Flacco? I think that's a legitimate conversation. Um, as far as when is he going to get a chance, no, if Jalen Hurts is healthy, Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback of this team. And he's done nothing, by the way. What, what I mean, you're a bigger stat guy than me, Jody. But I mean, what 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 I, I gotta pull up his numbers. Now, granted, we talk, talk about, about all Clyde the time. Or? No, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Well, I give you Hurts' numbers uh this year, and <laughs> you and I debate a little bit on the importance of the quarterback ratings that while I acknowledge it is imperfect, it's the best stat that there is. Uh, I think people want to look at uh, completion percentage, yards, yards per attempt. There's a lot of different things you can look at, but um, I still think that uh, the quarterback rating is the best of a bad lot as to how to uh, evaluate a quarterback. Last year, Jalen was 83.6, his first start against the Saints. 102.3 above 100 is always good against Arizona. Uh, not great against Dallas, dropped down to 70.7. And then that last stupid game against Washington when they pulled them, which, by the way, I had forgotten when I looked it up today. 
he was really bad in the first half. I got all worked up because they put the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld into the game. Oh, yeah, he was terrible. He was terrible. He missed yeah. a, a big uh, – I think Quez Watkins was wide open in the end zone, missed him badly. Um, but this year, you know, his completion percentage is up over 66%, 7-2 to touchdowns, interceptions, rating 101.1. I mean, he has not played poorly. No. Um, you add in the, the running aspect. He's the team's leading rusher. You had 226 yards there. And then you look at the film. You say passer rating. I mean, pro football focus is the best we got there. They grade him as the 13th best quarterback in football through four weeks. That's Top not head. bad. That's not that bad. What that does, sorry to tell our buddy Joey B here, that keeps the conversation going. If he was at a passing rater of 75, it'd be, yeah, how many weeks till Gardner Minshew? If he was at 120, we'd be going, how about those first-round draft picks to fill in at linebacker and defense? And we don't have to use him for a quarterback because we got our quarterback. No, he's in the middle, which means the evaluation continues the debate continues, but people want a definitive answer already. Uh, he's our guy. How great was he? He uh, Patrick Mahomes threw an interception. Jalen Hurts didn't. Stop, please. Or uh, the fact that he's no. But, but I've I've already said, and long term, and I've already said this, but it has nothing to do with Jalen Hurts. I I don't think he's the Eagles' guy long-term, but that has to do with the organization. I don't think they want this style of offense long-term. doesn't have anything to do with Jalen Hurts. Well, then why'd they hire Nick Sirianni? Uh, Nick Sirianni doesn't um, – he's not an RPO guy. In fact, he's doing something, if anything, he's a little bit more uncomfortable with. He's a – Nick Sirianni is a – actually, and I like this, he is not a scheme guy. He is the guy who has built offenses. Now he's not the only one. Obviously, Frank Reich had a had a, a lot to do with it. He has built office offenses around Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby in between. Those are three different type of quarterbacks, and they built offenses around each of them. That's why they hired Nick Sirianni. He's building an offense around Jalen Hurst. If you get him another quarterback, insert name whoever the hot and your guy from Ole Miss, he kind of, he got, you know, everybody runs up against Alabama, whoever the hot, hot, uh, hot name is come April. And if the Eagles go in that direction, he'll build the offense around that guy. But let, let me put a, uh, a thought process in Eagles fans years. If you are a Jalen Hurts fan and you want to refute what John McMullen just said, which, oh, by the way, might be right. Um, but if there is the possibility of the Eagles changing their mind, if we believe that Jeff Lurie can be affected by what's going on in the league and wants to be added to curb, and if he thinks he's got a chance to be added to curb, might take advantage of it. Root for the Arizona Cardinals to win the Super Bowl. If the Eagles aren't going to win the Super Bowl, then go ahead, start rooting for the Arizona Cardinals. Which, by the way, your buddy Jody Mack got him at forty-five to one to win it all. So definitely root for the Arizona Cardinals to win the Super Bowl, because um, Jalen Hurts isn't quite what the Cardinals' quarterback is. 
but there are some really good similarities between the two. I think Murray's got a little bit better arm strength, and he's certainly uh, further along in his progression. But they're very similar quarterbacks, and if he finds a way to win a Super Bowl, maybe Jeff Florian, Howie Rosen go, hey, if we really commit to this, and we stand by the Jalen could be good enough to do exactly what the Cardinals just. I'm just saying, just painting that picture for you. All right, uh, we have the Mac and Mac guys. Oh, I see our buddy Brandon uh, Barrett Brooks is ready to join us. Keep it here. Double B coming at you next here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Killing Tuesday here on Bird 365. Before we look ahead, we got to look back a little bit. I want to give you insights more next. 
former Eagle, contributor here on the YouTube channel. You catch my name is Sports Billy. Barrett Brooks jumps aboard with us here on Birds 365. Good morning, guys. Good, good, good. How's it going? Good, Barrett. Good to see you. I guess we got to start with the offensive line because of what happened uh, with Lane Johnson being the late scratch against the Kansas City Chiefs. So you're down 80%, man. It's Jason Kelsey holding down the fort. I thought the guys played well, though. I can't get to that offensive line as an issue for that loss. I, I think everyone, Jack Driscoll, right tackle, Nate Herbig, right guard, Landon Dickerson moves to left guard, Andre Dillard. I know people criticize the penalties, but it wasn't his fault. When he called those RPOs and you're downfield, I, I thought they played well. As a former offensive lineman, how did you grade them? You can't say that they 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 lost the game for. It. They definitely didn't. I really thought that uh, Dillard played a really good game. I mean, he 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 for the most part kept you know his side of the line clean. I mean, they played well from from the aspect of what they were asking to do. They executed what they asked them to do. You know, this RPO things. This this is what happens. You know, I mean, that's why they're so prevalent in in college football because you get three and a half yards in college football. You get one and a half in the NFL, and there lies the problem. If you're going to run that type of system, you got to you got to take you know you got to take whatever comes with it, and what what comes with it is you're asking an offensive line to to block run, they're not blocking pass, and that's the biggest difference that, that fans have to understand. They are blocking a run play; they're not blocking the pass part of the RPO. You know, it's run first, and that's what they're doing. They're coming off the ball; they're 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 trying to blow people off the ball. So when you have a read where you have to get up and get that linebacker, you're going to be downfield. So I mean, it's, it's is is one of those damn if you do, damn if you don't type of plays. Let me ask you: um, during your time in the National Football League here in Philadelphia and elsewhere, did you ever play for a team that used RPOs? It's become more of a fad in the league over the last ten years, which is past your uh, time. But was maybe it was part of a very unlikely use. Uh, part of a playbook that you didn't get through very often, but you had to at least learn it because the coach wanted to have it if he needed to go to it. I, 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 you did a good job of explaining it to us conceptually, but did you ever have to do it yourself? No, I never did. In fact, I, we should have had an RPO system my first year in the league because I had Randall Cunningham, who's one of those quarterbacks that you could you could have ran an RPO with, and he'd have lit the league up. You know, can you imagine? The ultimate weapon, running RPOs, giving the ability to throw the ball, run pass. You know that's that's something that he would have he would have tore the league apart with that type of scheme. Instead, they um, they tried to cut the field in half for quarterbacks like like Randall. You know they ran RP no not RPOs but they ran like waggle protection. Waggle protection is this you know they they block pass but they'll pull the backside guard, move Randall out of the pocket, and the backside guard almost be like. You know, he'll be a personal bodyguard for him out there in space, you know, just in case, you know, somebody blitzes or something, he would pick him up. It's blocked like pass, but they just wanted to get him out in space or they would run sprint right option, which they, you know, get him going one way and, and, and you know, throw the ball to the receiver on the crossing route. Uh, they ran stuff like boot protections. Those were the RPOs back then. They didn't have like a run pass necessarily option on them. Um, he would either pass the ball or he would he would run, take off running. They just wanted to move the pocket for him, and, and quarterbacks like him. That's how they thir- that's how they were able to, you know, really use their athleticism in the passing game, as opposed to just sitting back there being a pocket passer. I can remember talking to Randall. The only time he said he really got hurt is when he was inside the pocket. 
outside of the pocket, he could you could he could avoid those type of hits. So you know, it's it's it's, it's different. Is in a different system in which they're running now as opposed to back then. But, I mean, I tell you what, man, guys would have lit the league up uh, with, with a system like this, you know, especially Randall. So, Barrett, let's fast forward back to the current Eagles, and we see these penalties, these illegal downfield penalties. Nick mentioned it's just a timing issue. So is it on the quarterback to get the football out? Bang, bang? Uh, yep. That's what it is. It's a fast read. It's a fast option. I mean, if you if you ask your offensive line to to do anything different, then they're not going to be as effective if they do hand the ball off and run. They won't be getting guys at the second level. They won't be blowing guys off the ball because they'll be hesitant. And you don't want your offensive line to be hesitant. You want them to block the run aspect of the play. So they're going to run it like they're running inside zone, go up there, and they're going to pick that linebacker off. He just has to get the ball out of his hand faster. Now, I was talking to a couple guys yesterday on, on my show, and um, I was telling Aton and Harry, I said, look, guys, they could run RPOs out of out of draw plays. You know, I've seen teams do that in college. They run the draw. That way they, you know, get the defensive ends, use their strength against them by getting them up the field, throwing a pass, and then handing the ball off on a draw play. And then, you know, in, in, in the pass section of it, you're actually optioning off the backside linebacker with the slant on the backside. So if you have a slant on the backside, he's going to read, the quarterback's going to read the, the that backside linebacker. So if, if the linebacker plays the run and comes and fills, do you throw the slant on the backside, which the, that's the area that he vacated by coming and filling on the play. Or if he sits back, you hand the ball off to the running back and he runs the, op, uh, he runs the, not the option, but he runs the the uh, the um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I just just said it. Um, draw play. He run the draw play yeah. up the middle because that linebacker stayed at linebacker depth. That means the offensive line to get to him, and and that'll be you know a, a great play because they've gotten to that backside linebacker. So those you know they could run it like that also. There's different ways to skin a cat. You just have to really focus on um, how you want to execute the blocking schemes. So, you know, there's there's many ways that they can run it. You know, I, I would rather run it with a draw play. I mean, I like the way, you know, certain teams run it with the draw play as opposed to with the zone play that they've been running it out of. All right, let me ask you about the Eagles defense. I know your side of the ball was offense, but you had to try and thwart defenses with what you guys did offensively, so I know you know it. The Eagles have been just gashed the last couple of weeks on the ground. And I'm going to look at a specific group, and that's the linebackers. <laughs> yes. If if Fletcher Cox is getting double teamed as much as we are told he is, and I'm not breaking down film, I'm not going back through play by play and counting how many teams he's being, how many plays he's being double teamed. If Javon Hargrave is being double teamed as often as we're told he's being, and again, I haven't done the play by play game breakdown film, but assuming that's correct, that means somebody's being unblocked. You can't throw double teams at both of the tackles and tell me the linebackers are being blocked. They're just not. It, that can't be. It's 11 versus 11. You don't get to sneak two extra guys on the field if you're on the offense. Exactly. Are they playing too far back? Are they not adjusting quickly enough and coming up and filling holes? Is there a scheme deficiency? How have the Eagles linebackers been so inefficient against the one the last two weeks? Well, it's, it's the second. It's the second question, um, you know, that you asked. It's, it's the linebackers not reacting as fast as they're supposed to be reacting. The schematically, they 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 should be playing a lot better. And you know, 
if you, if I'm going to break it down in its, its purest form, if you're a linebacker, you did this in high school, you did this in college, and now at the NFL you have to do it. When you see a double team, and and well, let me start off with this: when you linebackers read at the, you know at the most primal way they're supposed to play, when they're reading a play, if you have a double team, if your gap is within that double team, you have to go initiate contact with the guard, get that guard off. That means you have a linebacker that's one-on-one with a block and a, and a defensive lineman that's one-on-one with a block. And in those gaps, now you can read and react and get off and go get the play, go get the running back, but you're at the same level because you initiated contact at the same level as the guard. What's happening is the double team is coming and they're waiting for the read. And by the time, you know, they get, you know, the, the he reacts to it, the double team has pushed that defensive lineman all the way back to him, which is what five, four or five yards down the field. And now if he reacts anywhere he goes, it's wrong. You have to initiate contact, come downhill and fill your gap. When you fill your gap as a linebacker, the extra double team guy has to get off on you. Now you're in your gap. The defensive lineman is in his gap. Now you're at the same level. Now there's no hole for the running back to fit through. Now you're playing right now. Now you're it's a one-on-one block where you can either beat your guy or the defensive lineman is going to beat his guy. You have more of a shot you know, instead of getting double team all the way back to running I mean, to linebacker level. Because when you're at linebacker level, now there's gaping holes because they, you can't fill your gap because the gap has been stretched because you've moved the guy out of his gap and pressed him all the way back to you. So they're not filling fast enough to really get a, 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 a – uh, an accurate read on what they're trying to do. So when you're dumping your defense alignment in your in the linebacker's lap, it, he has two ways that he can go. He's not wrong. But if you force the issue, if you come downhill and fill your gap, that takes the double team off. Now you're one-on-one with a guy, the defense alignment one-on-one with a guy, and one of you are more likely to win as opposed to the double team and you trying to play off a double team and you're trying to read that. It's just harder to play. This is basic, fundamental high school football that's not taking place. These linebackers have to get down, now get downhill. Now, to put it in 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 in, in its rarest form and its simplest form, they're not big enough really to be trying to go up there and fill the gaps like that. I guess that's what they're thinking. So they're trying to read and react. Well, even the smallest linebackers still have to go fill their gap. That's their responsibilities. And your responsibility is to take the double team off that defensive lineman. You know, you have to read that triangle. As a linebacker, you read a triangle. You read the you read from where you are to the to the guards to the ball. That's your triangle. And in order for you to make some stuff happen, you have to at least fill your gap in your responsibility before you can read anything else. So Barrett, to further that, Nick Seriani yesterday was talking about a, a lot of and obviously he's not the defensive coordinator, but he's got a, as he said, he puts his signature on everything. Um, and he was talking about the zone and the two deep looks and you give a little, you get a little, as he described it, they're giving a lot. They're not getting a lot back. Um, is it a personnel issue? Is it a coaching issue? When we talk about the linebackers and filling those gaps and at what point, you talk about the lack of size. Maybe you got to put a TJ Edwards in there if you know and live with some of the coverage deficiencies. Is that where we are with this defense? I think so. I mean, no, that's not. I think so. I, I know so. I know that you're going to have to schematically, you know, just like Sirianni does with his offensive side. 
He schemes around the talents that you have. So I don't understand why we're playing so much zone when we're playing these, you know, we're paying Nelson and, and Slay big money to be, you know, stoppers of, you know, of, of, of the one and two receiver. Get up on them, you know, play, play man to man, play tighter on, even if it's zone, play tighter on these guys. Don't give the autonomy to just run off the line of scrimmage, you know, because guys can get open faster doing that way. Even in zone, you can play a matchup zone in which you get up closer on these guys. Now the, 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 the passing routes are at least altered a little bit. I mean, guys are getting off the line and they're going wherever they want to go in this defense. And you're not paying guys to be those type of players. You're paying Slay and Nelson to be one-on-one uh, uh, defenders on the best receivers. And we're not doing that, you know, so I don't understand, you know, why we're not, you know, taking our, our, our best talent and scheming them to be more aggressive. You know, you can do that now. Back, you know, last year, they didn't have the guys to do that. They have DBs now that can do it. You know, why not take advantage of it? I mean, you see what Big Red did. All he did was scheme his best um, receiver, put him in the slot, and allow him to be on a Vonnie Maddox all day or a linebacker all day. Well, we're going to have to do the same thing. Why not move in Slay on, 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 on Hill and have that matchup, you know, we'll be better suited to do that. Now he just won't beat him off the off the off the snap of the ball. Now he's gonna you know alter the passing route a little bit. Now you're in a better position to 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 maybe rally around or maybe even double team a guy like that. We're just not doing things schematically on the defensive side of the ball that I thought we were gonna do. I thought we were gonna be more aggressive, send more blitz. We're not doing that either. So you have the personnel to do it. Why not go ahead and start doing it? Barrett, need your perspective on this as a former offensive lineman because you should have a different yet insightful perspective. The Eagles quarterback, for varying reasons, has rolled to his left a bunch in the first four games. I get it as a right-handed quarterback. There is an upside to rolling to your left, that being the defense isn't looking for it. They believe a right-handed guy is going to roll right more than he's going to roll left. But it is more difficult. There's a reason why the defense does it, because it's more difficult to stop, plant, throw, takes away a percentage of the field. And they've come out with him going left. Some designed, more Jalen evading a rush and deciding to go left. It hasn't worked well. Now, you've got guys like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, who was here in uh, the link the other day. Who can do that? Who can pull that off? Who can roll left and still have the gun to be able to make that play? I'm not sure Jalen does. How do you correct that? How do you just get away from that? Nick Sirianni can certainly call last play and go, yeah, we know. Uh, We might have an extra second because the defense isn't going to be able to react because they're not looking for it. But if Jalen can't make the pass, it doesn't matter. That extra second becomes irrelevant. Do you have to get in Jalen's ear and say, listen, when you're avoiding, still try and get either up into the pocket or go right. Don't go left. He's done a lot of sprinting out to the left, and it hasn't worked. How do you correct that, Barrett? Um, I think it might just be more of a comfort thing. You know, I, I think he was more comfortable. This last game, I think they were just more comfortable with the way Diller was playing. And I had it a lot to do when I when when I was playing. When, when you have a, a quarterback that's right-handed and – he believes in his left tackle. You tend to lean towards a guy that you believe in more so than you go to a Spoken guy. like a true left tackle. I <laughs> right. can guarantee you. That's why this guy feels that way because that's the position he plays. <laughs> exactly. You know, so I think he felt more comfortable with Dillard and his ability to 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 really latch on to his guy as opposed to going to the other side. You know, where where you know 
you had a guy that he hadn't really been there. You know, he had just came off IR. And at that point, you know, you, you're asking him to 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 really be, um, you know, really go out there and, and, and play, you know, that in a way in which, you know, he was solid. And he hadn't been there. Jack Driscoll, he had just come off IR. So I think he was more fading to that side because he was more comfortable with Dillard. Dillard was there for the past two games. And that comfortability allowed him to kind of, you know, fade over to that left side a little more. And then it just so happened that, you know, if the rush was coming, the guy in front of him was on his right side. And that's why he would try to move to his left a lot more. I think that's just a comfort thing for, you know, most quarterbacks. Uh, You look at, you know, Ty Detmer, he used to fade to his left all the time. Rodney Pete, Rodney Pete didn't fade. Rodney Pete wasn't going anywhere. He just stayed right there in the middle. But then I had RC also, Randall Cunningham. He would fade to his right a little bit, you know. And it's just, you know, I, it's just something that some quarterbacks just do unconsciously. And, and you know, and, and it hurts you as a left tackle, you know, sometimes. But, you know, yeah. that just might be which way Hurts feels more comfortable in, 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 in rolling out because, you know, he just feels that he could, he could do it and he has more of a, a, a better blocker in that, in, that, um, in that instance on that left <laughs> side. You know, yeah, and, I, and they think I, about stuff like that. I think it's a positive because I think you're you're right, Barrett. Quarterbacks have that DNA where, and I think Jalen's DNA is to flush right a little bit too early, as opposed to climb the pocket. Yep. Which yep. I think, which I think would be, which, but that's a difficult, that's a tough habit to break. So if you're going the opposite direction, I think that's a positive, at least from a general sense. But. Let's talk about the quarterback because everybody get, you know, week one, he's a superstar. Week two, cut him. Week three, he's not good enough. Week four, I threw for 387 yards. He's great again. Why why, why are we in this constant EKG state with these large swings up and down? Guy's playing pretty well. I, I don't think the Eagles have a great team around him. He's performing pretty well. My question is is a bigger picture one. Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, do they want this type of offense? We were talking RPOs. Do they want this type of offense? I, I don't think they do. Long You're right, term. man. Long term, I, I don't see as a as a as something that this this ownership wants to do. That they want a a pure drop back passer. They want a Carson Wentz type of player. They want a guy that's going to sit back in a in a and and like Tom Brady and push the ball down the field. This this isn't the type of offense that you're going to have with that, you know. And you know, I heard you guys talking earlier about Frank Wright and his ability to customize offenses around the people that he has, the quarterbacks that he has. And that's exactly what the case is with Nick Sirianni. He's going to run an offense that's more suited to his skill set. <laughs> At this point, he hadn't have time to really um make the ownership happy and, and, and have him sit back and be a drop back quarterback because they will not have any success if they force him to do that. They're going to have to move him around a little bit because he's more comfortable with doing that. And if they don't, he's going to do it on his own. So he's either, you know, coach this guy up and get him in a system in which would help him uh, be successful, or he's going to do it himself and make him own make his own self successful and try to push the ball down the field by moving around in the pocket and not getting his head kicked in if, if you know if, it, if the um, the pocket collapses you're going to see that happening 
As for, you know, running an offense that's more customized around Jalen Hurts, you're going to have to cut the field in half. He's still a young quarterback. And that's not a knock on him because it takes a lot a lot of quarterbacks a longer time to develop being a pocket passer. Everybody think, you know, look at Steve Young. Steve Young was not a pocket passer. He's a guy that moved around. They customized an offense around him by running waggle protections, pulling the backside guard, by running sprint right option, which is the best play in football. He's one of the guys that started really running it for him. But, you know, but he's a lefty, so the sprint left option. You know, those are all plays in which help him become a better quarterback because you had to customize an offense around him. Just as, you know, just because, of you know, Steve was a lefty, sprint left option, they devised a play where they run sprint left instead of sprint right. Those are all things that you're trying to help your player be the best that he can be by running an offense that's customized around him. And we as a fan base have to understand this is only Jalen's eighth game that he started. He's essentially a rookie. And then you have a rookie coaching staff, not just head coach, but coaching staff. And you're asking him and the rest of these guys to run an offense they just learned in the past, what, what, two months? This isn't yeah. something that just comes as natural as people think it is. It's, 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 it's tough, you know, trying to deal with a situation like this. It's not like, you know, when, when, when the head coach from Green Bay just came in and they won 13 or 12, 13 games. They had an all, you know, an all-star quarterback back there. You know, this is a young quarterback, so he's going to have to learn. He's been successful at every level he's been in, but you know, it's just going to take a while. If it, will he have that time to go out and be a, uh, uh, you know, learn the system and 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 grow? We don't know because we don't know what's going to go on with how this this coaching staff and his ownership is going to want him to be the guy. We don't know if he's going to be the guy or not. But hey, give him an opportunity to to, to at least show you what he can have. And I think that's what Nick Sirianni is allowing him to do, trying to build to his strengths to, to get some kind of success with him. All right, let me zero in on this weekend's opponent, the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Andy Reid set a record this week, first ever coach to go 100 wins with two different organizations. Tip the cap to uh, Big Red on that one. But there was another all-time NFL record set this past weekend as well, and I had no idea that was the case. The quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, Sam Darnold, got two more rushing touchdowns, which gave him five in the first four weeks in the National Football League season. No other quarterback had ever done that before. Not Randall Cunningham, not uh, Mr. Jackson down in Baltimore, not Steve Young. Ever Roll out every other great running quarterback you ever want to think of. None of them had ever run for five touchdowns in their first four games in any season. Sam Darnold did. I'm not saying it makes him the greatest rushing quarterback of all time. It makes him a weapon at this time. The Eagles really haven't played a running quarterback yet. Matt Ryan, no. Dak Prescott, no. Jimmy G, no. Mahomes can. He didn't last week, but I think he's got the capability to do it if he wants to. This is a guy who's going to pull it down. He's going to take off on you. Are the Eagles well-suited to play that type of quarterback? <laughs> uh no because we can't stop the run so it's, it's, it's definitely something that uh we got to look at you know at this point matt rule he understands what he has as far as an offense and you know, you know having stam darnold there you know he was a drop back quarterback at usc but understanding that you know he's he's running for his life back there a lot of the times that he's running now they're starting to run run plays for him you know especially in the red zone but he was mostly running for his life because that offensive line is not good. They are not a pass-blocking offensive line. They're a run-blocking offensive line. Hence, that's why Christian McCaffrey and all those guys, Chubba Hubbard, um, you know, Royce Freeman, all those guys are, are good running backs because that offensive line are built to run the ball. 
they are very weak on the edges. They're two tackles. They get beat a lot. So he's been running for his life, and he's shown the ability to get out the pocket and, 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 and pick him up and put him down. So because he's able to run around like that and they see that, they're starting to nurture it a little more and, 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 and allow him to do a lot more of that. Now, are the Eagles necessarily a team that could, uh, you know, that could stop that? It's, it's going to be hard. But this is a game that, that, you know, I really think that they're going to have to step up. They're going to have to go back to basic fundamental football. And those linebackers are going to have to feel the way they've never filled before in order to be successful and, and even compete with this Panthers team. And it's terrible I have to say compete with them because if they continue to sit back at linebacker depth and not go downhill, it's going to be a long day because now they're going to run plays in which they're going to have – a, a draw play where they're going to have a lead back that the running back is supposed to get the draw play, but they're going to have, you know, Sam Darnold run and he's going to have a lead blocker. Now who's supposed to be running the ball. That's just one more blocker in the mix running with this quarterback. It's going to be hard in the red zone to stop that. If we're not filling in and, and, and getting to our gaps and being sound in our gap discipline, we're just not going to do it. So <laughs> it's going to be tough going against Sam Darnold. And, you know, he's been hosing it around a little bit too. And uh, Christian McCaffrey might be back on top of it. I he think he is back. Week. Yeah, he I just read that he week. is back. Yeah, so that's going to make things even that much more difficult. Before you get out of here, Barrett, I do want to ask you about Landon Dickerson because I thought he was much better, much more natural at left guard than right guard. Did you see the same thing, and how much can that pl- can help an offensive lineman? You played all over. When you have your comfort zone, how much does that help you? Oh man, it, of course he's a young guy, so it's, he's going to be more. That's where he spent the most, the the major part of his reps on the left mm-hmm. side during camp. He feels more comfortable there, and just another game under his under his cap. He feels more comfortable playing in the NFL now. So he's seen the speed to the game. It's going to start slowing down for him. He's just a mountain man, you know, and he's he's a big aggressive guy. And now that he's starting to get his legs up underneath him, he's going to get even better, you know, as as a player. Now, you know. The other guys, you know, Nate Herbig, he played pretty well also. But, you know, it's, it's, you're going to have to, just like they're customizing offense around, you know, your quarterback, you're going to have to do the same thing in, in what you're asking your offensive line to do also. You know, you can't, you can't go out there and think we're going to throw the ball 40 or 50 times a game and this offensive line is going to be successful. They're going to have to go out there and run the ball just to get these guys comfortable, uh, get them firing off and, and, and get, a, you know, get them lathered up as opposed to sit back, dropping back and throwing it 50 times a game. And then, you know, you know, asking them who are not really built to be pass blockers to pass block. Nate Herbig, he's a bulldozer. He's a road grader. You know, get him coming off the ball as opposed to regressing back in a, as a as a pass blocker. Do the same thing with Landon Dickerson. It's, must, it's a must. It's imperative that they run the ball so these guys are more comfortable throughout the game and not, you know, back on their heels with a defensive line, especially the line that the Panthers have coming off the ball and, and, and pinning their ears back against this young offensive line. They're going to have to run the ball more consistently in order for them to have any success going into this game. All right, Double B, you said you were listening to the show earlier. That was probably way on hold. You may have not caught hour number one. Dueling NFL players today. We had you and we had Colin Thompson, tight end for the Panthers, in hour number one. Colin, you could have told us McCaffrey was going to play. He told us how good he was. He didn't give us any insight that he was going to play, though. So, but we'll forgive Colin on that. But he is a true blocking tight end. During your day playing in the NFL, who was the tight end when he came to your side and was in tight, in line with you? You said, All right, I'm good here. 
we're going we're gonna to get done what we need to get done here. If it's me and my buddy to my outside, we're going to open up a hole. We're not going to let anybody get near the quarterback. Who is the best play, pass blocking tight end? It had to be Ed West. Ed West, they used to call him Toolbox. You call him Toolbox. Toolbox, man, when he came to play, oh my goodness. You know, I, I remember I'm, I'm in the, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're on the line of scrimmage and we had a stretch play called. And I'm I'm supposed to uh, I'm supposed to pull around on the play, and um, I turn around. And I tell uh, I tell my my guard. I tell him you know, uh, hey uh, I got I got I got a tag play tag 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 tag. And he look at me said tag tag. What, what do you mean tag? I mean I got one on one one on one out here. No, uh-uh. you come with me. You come. With me. I said I can't come with you. I got to pull. No, you better not pull. I'm gonna leave him alone. I'm gonna leave him alone. I'm, you better not pull. And we end up <laughs> double teaming to the linebacker. Guy I'm supposed to pull out on. We double team to him. We get in a meeting room. Coach like, Coach, he's like, Brooks, what is this call? I said, I said tag. You know, Ed said no. He wants me to double team to this linebacker. He said, oh, well, you're supposed to tag, but, hey, it works, so keep doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so from that point on, we would double team on the plate instead of going and me pulling around just because he said, hey, you get paid to block these big guys. I get paid to halfway block these big guys. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a good line. Barrett, great stuff. Uh, please send our regards to Mr. Shander and Mr. Maids. Have a good one on the middle of this afternoon. We'll catch you back down the road with us. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Barrett. Barrett. Jacob Meade. At West. Well. Yeah, I like I like those Barrett stories. You get that's, those. I thought it was a good day to ask that one just because we had Colin on earlier. Yeah, that was a good question, Jody. Ed West, yeah, he was a good player. And uh, I, I didn't even know this. Did you know this? We're one West down in professional sports. Joe West is walking away from. Oh, no, I did not baseball. know that, but that's a that's a I good didn't day. know it either. A caller told me that last wow. night on WIP that Ed West was know. retiring. Uh, excuse me, Joe West was Joe retiring. West. Yeah, I miss no, Ed. We might get a ball and strike called correctly, is what we're saying. I, is, I miss Ed West. I will not miss Joe West. Yeah. Good luck, Cowboy Joe. Sent uh, just saunter off into the sunset. Uh, you will not be missed from this baseball fan's perspective. All right. Hey, we got a couple minutes left. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Come back. Let's put a bow on a show on Birds Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of Life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Wrapping up another edition of Birds 365. I write it down. A 127. Did you know we were up that high, John? One, no, we haven't said it for a while. I You're the official done. bookkeeper of this show. I write it down on the top of my yeah. show sheet every single day what show number we're up to. And we are up to 127. Doesn't it? Time's flying right by with you and me, McMullen. Yeah. I would say more like 12. You could just take the seven off the back end and be our 12th show. No. And I think One- 126 of a half and a half have been really good. I'll give us, I give us what, a little what wiggle room. What was the bad half? I give us a little wiggle room. I don't remember, but I give. A, I got to give a little wiggle room. <laughs> no, you killed me. That's funny. It's all hell. Um all right, so we got less than a half a show. We got uh, a half of a 10-minute block here uh, to wrap up. What eagle availability do you have today, Johnny Mac, if any? Today is coordinator day, so Jonathan Gannon uh, has to take his lashes uh, for that performance against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he'll obviously be the main event. You know, Shane Steichen doesn't give us much anyway. Uh, Michael Clay, the special team, he didn't have to do anything. The punters weren't out there. Uh, there are some questions about the kickoff return. And as you mentioned earlier last uh, earlier this week, Quez Yesterday, Watkins. Yeah, yeah. Quez, not good. Not good. Uh, so some things to answer for Michael Clay as well. But uh, coordinator day, and it's live. It's not virtual. So oh, that you means I got to drive my Okay. Uh, make yes, sure you get your easy pass to get over the bridge. Yeah. Um, here's a question that I would ask, and feel free to just completely disregard it because you got to ask your own question if you're going, if they uh, call your name. And I know it's, well, maybe you don't even ask a question because you know what the, the answer is going to be. I have some concerns about the whole process of calling plays with the Philadelphia Eagles, that Sirianni calls it quickly that it gets sent to Steichen, and then Steichen gets it into Jalen Hurts. Had the play inside the red zone early on, a little slow getting it in. What are they going to do? Call a timeout, take the delay of game, go for the field goal, not go for the field goal. That turned into a mess. And I'm sure there was some blame to go around for all involved parties. The head coach calling the play, the offensive coordinator relaying the play, and the QB running the play and getting it to the line of scrimmage. Do you think he'd give me an answer if you just asked him, 
Nick How's it might, working out with everybody? Nick might Nick might give you an answer. Um, he's been asked that question before, actually. Uh, Shane's not. Shane's not gonna. Um, but Nick took responsibility for the fourth and three. He got to play in late. But that brings to your point. That's legitimate. Why? Why do you have that extra step? Um, you know, if you're getting in the play late as it is, and then you have that extra step, well, it's even later. I don't know. Maybe maybe once to keep the offensive coordinator involved, he says there's a comfort level between Jalen Hurts and Shane. Maybe it's just that's the comfortability factor. You're right, though. It seems like an unnecessary added step that's redundant doesn't need to be there. Um, you know, the old telephone game when you're a kid, what was the point of that game? You say something in the telephone, it goes around the table, and when we get to the end, it would be something different. Right. Um, the more people you have involved in that process, the more moving parts there are to make a mistake. I think you bring up a valid point. And I'm okay with it if it works. But when you start to have to question it, because it seems somewhere along the line, the telephone line, there was a drop off. Well, then you got to take steps and you got to, uh, minimize things and you got to shrink it down a little bit. So that's why I would answer, would want the answer to that question. Not that I would know that I was uh, going to get it, but it would be something uh, worth trying to look into. All right, J-Mac, we'd be out of time. Are you going to be ready for show number 128 tomorrow? 128, I'll be here at 8 in the morning, but you will have Jeff Kerr. It is back to COVID testing on oh, Wednesday. Oh, you're COVID tomorrow? I am COVID tomorrow. I didn't know that. Yeah, it kind of Hopefully I'm not COVID tomorrow, but I am COVID <laughs> testing tomorrow. It's a moving target. Sometimes yeah. it's Wednesday, sometimes it's Thursday. So I'm going to see your smiling face at uh, 8 o'clock as a guest on the uh, Birds 365 8 o'clock as a guest. And then you already have a uh, – who do we got at 920 tomorrow? 9.20 tomorrow. Clark we Judge, got Clark Judge, correct. Yeah. Uh, Clark will be on with us tomorrow with myself and Jeff Kerr. And for those of you who don't know, John McMullen will be joining the show at um, 7.59.55. He comes in I'm five, here, though. five seconds before the show starts. He jumps I'm in. He here. amazing with his timing to get well, out. Well, you know what it is? I'm trying time. to find a spot in a parking lot at a Dunkin' Donuts or a Wawa. So that's what that's what's going on. That's how that sausage gets me. There you go. We'll make the sausage for you again tomorrow. Buddy, have a good day. We'll be right back here. 22 hours. Jeff Curran for Johnny Mac, but he'll be guest spotting right at the top of the show here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.